So, I started off saying yesterday that the Rebbe Rashab gave a talk which the Rebbe said was prophetic, but I didn't say why it was prophetic. The Rebbe Rashab mentions in this talk, call David, all who go out to war uh, from the house of David, uh, from the house of King David, they write a bill of divorce to their wives. And we learned yesterday that the reason they write the bill of divorce is because they're not sure if they're going to come back from battle or not. They don't want to leave their wives as an aguna. And we learned yesterday that the meaning of the house of David versus David himself refers to a time where Mashiach hasn't yet been revealed. Just like when the Gemara uses the expression, the son of David, it means that there isn't yet David himself. It's not yet the full revelation of Mashiach. There is a war that's being fought because Mashiach hasn't yet come. And the Rebbe Rashab describes in this talk two kinds of people. The reason why, the Rebbe, why it's called prophetic is because the Rebbe said no one would have imagined when the Rebbe Rashab said this talk that there would be the kind of person that he describes, the second category. The first category was what was happening at the time. The Yiftsektia was closing down mikvahs and shuls left and right throughout the Soviet Union. And they were Jews who were warring against Hashem. They were against Jewish children studying Torah. They were against people believing in God. It was a war against God. That's what the first half of the verse means at the end of chapter 89 in Tilm that we discussed yesterday. Your enemies, O God. Your enemies, O God, refers to the generation of the Yitzhakti. That's what Rabbi Rashab says. What was, what was prophetic... Uh, the Rebbe said was that no one of, the Rebbe describes another kind of person who um, keeps Torah and keeps mitzvahs but his belief in Mashiach is lacking and the Rebbe said there, there wouldn't have been uh, no one would have expected when the Rebbe Shab said this there could be such a person because by Yidin it's such a strong and powerful and fundamental idea that, that, that this is something that you'd expect everyone to, to have they believe in Torah, they believe in mitzvahs of course they believe in, believe in Mashiach it's, it's part and parcel of everything else. But the Rebbe Hashab describes a uh, person who is cold and frigid in his Torah and his mitzvahs, and therefore doesn't, um, he, he may keep follow all the official rules, but he's not really there. And one of, this, one of the ways that you could see he's not there is that his belief in the coming of Mashiach is weak. This guy was studying Hasidus once with a certain Satmer Hasid. This, this is years ago the height of the uh, Satmer uh, battle against secular Zionism and religious Zionism and all kinds of Zionism. And they were learning a discourse about Amalek. And the Hasidic discourse describes various levels of Amalek and different kinds of spiritual maladies. And after they finish studying, so he asks this Satmer Hasid, does he understand who the Rebbe is referring to? He says, of course, he's talking about those those Zionists in Israel, how dare they do what they're doing? Obviously, it's not what I was referring to. I was referring to each of us. Each of us has a level of, a, an aspect of a Moloch in us. And that's what that Maim was talking about. And this Maim was not talking about a certain kind of person, someone who doesn't wear a Chabad Kapata, doesn't, doesn't say Chita. So we're not talking about a, a certain class of people. We're talking about an element of this inside of us. We mentioned yesterday a teaching of the Rebbe Rashab in this, that same talk, between frigidity and denial of God completely, there's a very fine line. 
That's something that, unfortunately, exists in everyone. It's a big tent. And uh, perhaps the time that Rebbe Hashab, this was something that, you know, that was a certain class of people, but it's something that we all fight with. But he says that's the war. The war is against those who uh, fight against Hashem. And the war is against those who disgrace, those who, who are missing a moon in the coming Mashiach. And he says, that we concluded yesterday with saying, the Moshe Rabbeinu was humbled. Why was he humbled? Because he witnessed, Hashem showed him our generation, and he showed Moshe the kind of challenges that we will have, kind of concealments of godliness that we will have, and yet we'll still persevere and we'll still be devoted to what Hashem wants us to do. And that, that's what made Moshe Rabbeinu, um, that's what really impressed Moshe Rabbeinu. Let me just put the charger in one second. So, what was what was lacking in the kind of person that Rabbi was describing is not something that's specific that you could pinpoint and say, "Oh, he's not he's not learning Torah, he's not doing mitzvahs," but it's something inside of him that he's missing this 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 fire. It says in the Torah, "God is fire," and he is missing that fire, and that's very. Um, connected to the theme of this of this mimer. The mimer discusses two kinds of war. You're fighting a war because you want to amass treasure. You're fighting a war because the king's will needs to be fulfilled. Think about what Mashiach is about. What's the what's victory look like? What is, we're not trying to amass treasure. We're trying to have the king be victorious. Who is the king? What does this victory mean? The king is Hashem. Who is Hashem? Hashem is truth. So what is the truth of everything? The truth of everything is Hashem. What does redemption mean? Redemption means that the, the truth of Hashem is revealed in every single thing in the world. That's what we call the redemption, the true and complete redemption. It's true. It's the, it's the redemption of the truth of everything. And it's complete. Hashem will be revealed in the world. Tuma, the impurity, will be, will be removed. And there, will be, there won't be a space or a thing or a time where God's glory is not revealed in. So to get to that time of total victory of total revelation, of truth, the Geula HaMitis Vashlema, the true and complete redemption, it requires us also to be true and complete. We also have to be true and complete. Truth and completion is what we are discussing yesterday of the students of the yeshiva, the students of this yeshiva, the Rebbe made this yeshiva, so that people should not just be the guys who learn the Torah and do the mitzvahs, and they're missing that fire. But they should also have the full Is that using raising your hand? Okay, that's we're trying to warm up the coffee over there. Chaim, Chaim. Let me give you a, a few, a few, a few uh, just examples of, of perhaps uh, the distinction between someone who's who's got it and someone who, who's missing it. This idea of, of truth and completion, total devotion. The Rebbe Shab is referring to. Mr. Lovin Gesund is a safer in town. Um, he was in Russia. His son told me the story. Uh, and it was the night of the Seder. And he realized that he didn't have his Becher. His Becher was by a relative of his who was a town away. It's the night of the Seder. So he had a kosher cup, but he didn't have his Becher. So he walked to the other town 
and he walked back the night of the Seder. You can imagine after all the preparation for the Seder, so he could use the Becher. This was a Pesach Becher. It was, you know, there are other Bechers which could qualify, but this was the, his Pesach Becher. You won't find the Code of Jewish Law an obligation to have your Pesach Becher. I was once in New York and it was a like a Omer parade. And the guy organizing the parade, it struck me, this this event. I, it was a parade, and his guys are organizing the whole parade, and there's thousands of people there, and there's all different things. There's Ferris wheels, and there's a, there's there's all kinds of rides. And and there's one kid running around, and his yarmulke fell off, and he didn't realize. So this guy who's organizing the whole thing, he stops, hey, Bajchik, little boy, your yarmulke. The idea of completion and truth means that, that everything really, really matters. Everything matters. The Rebbe Hashab, uh, had very, he had terrible pain in his teeth, terrible pain. And uh, he, the 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 Rebbe Rashab wouldn't. He, he could have solved this pain by by uh, getting a filling dentures. He refused. Um, and I think it was Rebbe Rashab's Rebbetzin who asked another God of Israel uh, to discuss this with Rebbe Rashab. Perhaps she could prevail upon her husband. You know, fillings are things that everyone does. And Ebra Hashab told this Golub Yisrael, I remember his second who, who his name was, from Presburg. Um, Ebra Hashab said, Is there a sale of a Svexveka that there might be an issue of Milchiks and Fleshiks? Is there a shadow of a doubt of a doubt that there may be some kind of problem with the dairy and milk mixing, dairy and meat mixing together somehow? In, in what was absorbed in, in the filling. Now, in the Code of Jewish Law, there are various words that describe um, issues. I don't think there's a, that there is anyone who is concerned with the words, a sale of a sveksveka, a shadow of a doubt of a doubt. That, that, that's something, that's, that's invented. <laughs> it's invented in the sense that it's, it's not something which is a, a, a concern. But if, if the Abishter is, is, is truth and completion, then your physical pain is meaningless, zero. And there's something else which is far more, this, this is truth. There's a shadow of a doubt of a doubt, a kernel of, of truth over here, that, 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 that everything else is meaningless. Um, the Friedrich Rebbe, when he uh, came to America, uh, Torah Vedas, the, uh, one of the, and he was probably the only yeshiva, I'm not sure, the only yeshiva, that maybe one, of, one of the few yeshivas uh, in New York at the time, they were having a tremendous financial difficulty, the building was going to be foreclosed, and you could re- see the story, and Jam published a story a few years ago, if you, if you message me, I'll, I'll, I'll post it. Um, and the Friedrich Rebbe knew that they were having financial difficulty, and he sent a shliach, he sent someone to, to help them. And the shliach comes to the yeshiva Tervedas, and he says that the Lubavitcher Rebbe has sent this to assist the yeshiva. But before I give you this money, I have to tell you, I have to give you a message. I'm, 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 I don't remember the words, something to this effect. In Russia, the Friedrich Rebbe said, we gave our lives that the Torah should be studied. It didn't matter how many children it was. It didn't matter if it was one child, it was 10 children, it was 100 children. We made sure that every child would be given someone to teach him Torah. <laughs> And here in America, we're allowed to study Torah. No one's stopping us. And yet there is a situation where the Torah is not going to be studied because just because of a financial issue. 
So the Friedrich Rebbe said, I'm going to give funds to make sure the yeshiva does not close and the yeshiva could stay. But I'm but in to do this, I'm endangering all the work that I have done until now. Someone told me, this is not in the video, someone told me the Friedrich Rebbe actually put a mortgage on 770. I'm not sure if that's true, but he said, that, but those are the words he used. I, I'm endangering all the work I've done until now, but I'm doing this because because it can it can't be basically this cannot be the yeshiva cannot close. Now think about this. It's not it cannot close. It can't be. It doesn't matter if it was his yeshiva or someone else. Of course, these boys are studying Torah. There is there there the can't this can't stop. This can't stop. That's the difference between trying to amass a treasure. You're fighting a war because there's an objective, a certain thing you want to achieve, versus the victory of Hashem. Where there's a victory of Hashem means that the Geula Hamitz Hashem, the true Kpi Geula, and therefore who fights this war? As we were learning yesterday in the last week, the one who fights this war are, are the soldiers of Hashem. What is so? Who are soldiers? Soldiers of the House of David. Soldiers of the House of David means that they are totally devoted, completely to to the victory, not to my grandfather Alva Shalom Ray Fogelman always shared a story that he heard from the Chassidim before him. Which I think was was this parable was given by the Rashbats of Shul Batzal, which by the way I started sharing that the story of the Rashbats on Matzah Shabbos, amazing story. Anyways, Rashbats would share the following parable. Parable gave he, he was a teacher of the Marash, the Rashab, and the Friedrich Rebbe. So his parables are are worth paying attention to. He said that there was once a man who was very religious and he was very observant, kept every every mitzvah very carefully, and he worked very hard. And he would come home at the end of the day, very tired and very hungry. Despite being so tired and hungry, he would make sure that he'd come to Davin Meirev. He would Davin Meirev with every single word of the Kavon. Every single word. A friend of mine told me uh, how he was in, when he was in Russia, how this Chassid went to Davin Meirev. And Meirev, a regular weekday Meirev, took him 30 minutes. <laughs> when these guys daven Meirev, it wasn't it wasn't just like what davening Meirev was, the, the uh, wasn't the seven minute version. They, they, they went to talk to the Abishter. Anyways, so he daven Meirev. What are you supposed to daven Meirev? The way they daven Meirev in those days, you know, the people really daven Meirev. That's how they, they daven Meirev. They, they went to talk to Hashem, and I, despite and and he's hungry and he's tired, but he didn't just go out and like like stuff. Is he went and he washed his hands very carefully, and he said till Sadaim. And he benched very carefully every word. And then he said, Krishna Lamit and the Khajman Nefesh you're supposed to make before going to sleep an accounting of the day. He went through the whole thing very carefully and very detailed. And uh, after he finishes everything else, he goes into his bed. By the way, I just remember the guy told me a story about him diving my for thirty minutes. It wasn't someone who was in Russia a long time ago, someone who does this today. Um, so just just want to point out there are people who talk to God. Every day in America into 2021. Either way, so he goes into his bed after all this stuff, and he pulls his blankets over him, and he says, "Ah, ah." Rashbat said, "This is ultimate. This is the. This is the ultimate separation from Hashem. This is absolute separation. You know why it's separation? Because whatever he's doing, why is? What's it all about?" All about he should get to this, satisfy his conscience. So he should say, "I'm done with you, Hashem." And I so all this Torah, all this mitzvahs, it wasn't. There was no. It wasn't. Was there was no connection there really? It wasn't. It wasn't connection. It was all about. I want to feel good that I did it. That I'm done with it.
Okay, so that's the meaning of the Muhammad's based David, those who go out to the war, the fight to the house of David, that they're not there for the ah, not there for us to get over with, but they're there for the victory, that the Abish's will should be fulfilled, that it matters to them Hashem's desire. They think about the Abish too. The Friedrich Rebbe said, a chas is someone who thinks about Hashem. Okay, let's continue. now we can understand why the Friedrich Rebbe begins the, this chapter discussing the generation of Meish the generation of Atzilus, generation which felt the absolute truth of Hashem. Why is he talking about that? We're talking about people in this world, in our times, which are not in the level of Atzilus. So why are we talking about the generation of Meish and we're thinking they are called the soldiers of Hashem? How is that relevant to us? And the answer is that through our efforts, in this in end of Gullus, we are able to cause the revelation of Atsilus in this world. That's the goal. The goal is that Atsilus should be here. And that's and for that purpose, Hashem gives us all the treasures, all the things which have which are hidden, which have never been revealed to the world before, which have never been given to any regular people before. The, the kind of godly energies and the revelations that have never been seen before. Hashem gives us all of that. And soups us on Hashem with incredible strength because of the what's at stake right now. Well, what's at stake is not that just we should reach the level of the prophets, where, where there was some revelation. Not just the level of of Joshua, but the level of Moshe Rabbeinu's generation. That's what's that, that's what that's what's at stake. And for that purpose, Hashem gives us all the treasures. What this means is. The Abishter helps us to fight this war. And he gives away all the treasures that were gathered from one generation to the next. Why does the previous Rebbe say Hashem has generations? What is he referring to? So perhaps Rebbe says, to corresponding to the two kinds of people that war against Hashem and war against Mashiach, people who are uh, who correspond to those two kinds of people we discussed, perhaps the Friedrich is alluding to that commensurate to that, Hashem also gives us these two different kinds of godly revelations for us to encounter, to, for us to fight against these different kinds of klippah. The Rebbe doesn't specify what those two kinds of treasures are, but certainly there's a difference between the kind of stuff you need to fight the Yevsekzia in Russia and to teach Torah underground and to live in America and to try to overcome the challenges that we have over here and the challenges we have within ourselves, not in, in our own personal belief in the coming of Mashiach and in our fire in doing Torah mitzvahs. Different kind of energy that's needed. The Maharal writes, he quotes a medrash. I think the Maharal is the only source for this medrash. There are many medrashim that we don't have that were lost, but the Maharal quotes a medrash. The Maharal says there are different kinds of exile. There's one level of exile. The Jews are exiled among non-Jews, and they're persecuted. 
A worse kind of exile is where they're not persecuted and there's assimilation. A worse kind of exile, he says, the worst exile is where there are those who study Torah for the right reasons, for its own sake, and they are exiled among those who study Torah for the wrong reasons. That's the worst kind of exile. Of course, in our experience, that wouldn't be called the worst exile as long as we have uh, Rocky Road ice cream. But uh, it's called the worst kind of exile because it's the most confusing. It's the most confusing. Here you have the Torah, and you think the Torah is about the, the fire of Hashem. Someone else is studying Torah, and, it's, and, he, and he's like, whatever. It's, like, it's, it's meaningless to him. And he studies Torah, and it, 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 that's the most confusing kind of thing. And, and the Hashem gives a special strength to, encounter, to, to counter the different kind of challenges that we have. The generation of those who scoff Mashiach, uh, for that purpose, Hashem, gives us, Hashem reveals to us different kinds of treasure. Maybe, um, just I'm thinking, um, the Rebbe spoke about how in order to live with Mashiach, we need to study it, not just Hasidus, we need to study about the coming of Mashiach, we need to learn about the coming of Mashiach. That has to be in our minds. We need to learn about Mashiach in order to live with Mashiach. So perhaps the uh, one of those treasures that's been given to our generation is this, is this focus and emphasis on studying about the coming of Mashiach. Anyways, that's just my conjecture. But Hashem gives us two different kinds of godly energies, two different kinds of revelation that were never given before, to counter these different, two different kinds of generations. And the Jew also has to give away of all of his treasures to win the war. We have to give from ourselves. If Hashem is giving away his treasures, we should also give away ours. Because the attribute of Netzach, of total victory, the desire for victory, for Hashem's victory, is rooted within our souls, in the very core of our souls. You give away all of the treasures, treasures that you wouldn't show. Certainly you wouldn't, you wouldn't um, give away recklessly, whether, whether you gather them yourself. What does a Jew give away? There are your, are your treasures and there are treasures of your father's. What are, what are those treasures? It says in the Torah, This is my God and I will glorify him, the God of my father and I will exalt him. This is my, my God. There's something that I have achieved and I have a personal issue with Hashem. It's my God. That's my treasure house. It's my relationship. And that's something that's valuable to me because I have achieved something. That it's, my connection to Hashem is, matters to me. Then there is the God of my fathers. There's some kind of things which are beyond me that I, that I, that I receive my Zaydas and Babas and something. It also matters to me. And there is the Ganeidin. There is Chayi Nafshe. There is the life of my soul. The life of my soul means... There is something that will give my soul life after passing away. There's something that will really, really be enjoyable, that will animate and vivify and give in a pleasure to the soul that we cannot imagine. As the Rambam says, that we can't really understand what Ganeidin is about because being a soul in the body, we don't have any, any parallel to the pleasure of Ganeidin. All he says is that all the pleasures in this world are, are nothing compared to the pleasure of Ganeidin. So a Jew gives away all of that. He gives away his own treasures. He gives, gives away his connection to Hashem. He gives away his connection to the world to come. He gives it all away to win the world. In other words, not only does he care about 
not only does he care about uh, the Abishters uh, being close to Hashem, he cares about the fire of Hashem, he does mitzvahs and tear with passion, but he also gives away those same, same opportunities to be close to Hashem when it comes to what Hashem wants to accomplish. It, it's, it's very similar to the expression of the Alter Rebbe. Let, let's read further. He gives away the world to come. He gives away the highest level of Gan Eden. He gives away the life of his soul. Souls come from God's throne of glory. Therefore, God's throne of glory, which is, which is revealed and, and illuminates. Heaven illuminates Gan Eden. That's called, that's called um, the life of the soul. So a Jew gives away the Gan Eden, gives away the life of his soul. That's the meaning of the statement of the Mishnah. Do not be like servants who serve their master for the sake of reward. Reward doesn't just mean to, to get a, uh, another bag of goodies in this world. It also refers to Ganeid. Don't be like servants who serve Hashem because they want to get Ganeid. It's also called a pras. It's also called a reward. Instead, how do we need to serve Hashem? We need to serve Hashem in the same way that the Alter Rebbe did. Of course, the Alter Rebbe is the Alter Rebbe, but something of this has to trickle into us. What did the Alter Rebbe say? I don't want your Ganeidin. I don't want your world to come. All I want is you alone. So just like the king gives his life aside, to save, to, to win the war, so too the Abisha says to a Jew also, you have to put your, the life of your soul aside. What does it mean to put the life of your soul aside? This is similar to what we were learning uh, a few months ago about how uh, the said in the Maimer, you're, standing, you're in a room, and you know that next, outside the room that you're in, where you're studying in Torah and you're drawing life, there's a child. The child is no comet salafah. And you say to the Abisha, let me enjoy you, let me be close to you. And the Abisha says, and Abish is knocking on your door, and he's saying, Open up for me. Because outside there's a child in Islam And you say, Let me be close to you. And Hashem says, No. Go play a game with a child for half an hour, just so he should say Kamatzalafa. So this is what the what the meaning of giving away your treasures means. That you don't care so much about what's you do care, but you sh- but you give away what you care about for the sake of what Hashem wants to accomplish. You know that there's another child that you could teach Torah to, and, and therefore you give away nafshe, give away the life of your soul, give away your ganeden, because Hashem wants them to, get, to accomplish something. A- any any uh, questions? I see a beautiful uh, beautiful child over there, Rosh Hashem. Zev 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 showing off. <laughs> Ah, ah. <laughs> um, okay, so so that's that's an equivalent today. Basically, is that just like the king gives away his life to win the war, so to the Abisha asks us to give away what we really care about in order to win the war, in order to get what Hashem wants done. Um, Hashem, uh, tomorrow, God willing, we will conclude this mimer. Hopefully, we won't conclude it. Hopefully, we'll absorb it and and imbibe the mimer. Any questions or comments before we, we stop for today? All right. Great day, Rebel. Great day, 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 Great day